Welcome to Voices from the Bench, a dental laboratory podcast. Send us an email at info at voicesfromthebench.com or look for us on Facebook at Voices from the Bench. Greetings and welcome to episode 206 of Voices from the Bench. My name is Elvis. And I'm Barbara. And six is my favorite number. Just six. Yes. Why well, is that? I think I've asked this before. Something to do with a a number of uh, sports. Yeah, it was my uh, softball number my whole life, but I just have an affinity for the number. And every time really? I do races, I always get a six in my number, and I always kick ass when I do. So when you do a full arch, is number six the best one? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> But good comeback. Very interesting. Yeah, yeah. Well, I had to get us back to teeth yeah. somehow. We got to get, get off you know how we roll. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> What's that? So this is the first time we're recording since LMT Lab Day Chicago. Which was only a week ago. I know, but we had an episode come out after that, of course, we recorded before. Correct. So this is our first time kind of catching up. What'd you think? I thought it was amazing. You know as well as I do that I think it was like 2,000 attendees but yep. the people that were there were jazzed and there was this energy in the air and people were happy to see each other and hang out and talk and network and sell and get drunk and eat. It was nice, you know. I mean, to put it in perspective, the last show in 2020 had 5,000 people. So significantly less amount of people, but more seats at the big bar. Not really. I thought so. Because I tried that and I couldn't get in. So, well, um, you were there later than me. I, I'm an early dude. Person, I was there so. at five fifteen and it was freaking full. So, really, yes, really interesting. Well, we went at different times. because so. <laughs> <laughs> I went to go get Starbucks and I didn't have to wait in line. Usually, you you walk oh, by yeah. that place and you're like, it's a four hour wait it's outside the building. Yes, it is. But it was nice. You know, I was talking to a lot of vendors, and of course, being on that side for the first time, I think they were all pleasantly surprised with the amount of turnout that we had. Yeah, it was great. Uh, I think a lot of people were expecting a lot less. Yep, I thought it was amazing, and a lot of people. So, yes, my favorite part was meeting some of the past guests we've had on the podcast for the first time. And they gave us so many amazing things that they made and shirts and uh, it was great. I just feel awesome. very endeared by our guests and the people that listen yeah. to us. It's great to meet them, but honestly, it was just nice to hang out with people in general. Yeah, agreed. And we talked to a lot of great people, too. Well, I did. You were working. Well, oh, yes. Just kidding. <laughs> yes. You know, I'm starting to listen to some of those conversations you had while I had to step away, and you did a fantastic well, job. thank you. I've left you alone enough, so it was my turn. Yes, I enjoyed watching from afar. <laughs> <laughs> So if you couldn't make it to Chicago, but you missed the conversation with all of your peers, there's still a lot of shows playing for this year. So don't feel that Chicago was your only option because you got the DLAT, the FDLA, yep, Lab Day West, Ladies of the Mill, and I'm sure I'm missing a few more, but there's a lot of opportunities to get out there. Take a look. Go online. See what's happening. Go mingle. It's good stuff. Yep. Agree. So this week, we actually get to talk to someone that has to work with Barb. Uh, uh, uh. I feel for her. I really do. Yeah, well, you work with me. I'm a treat. Uh, okay. <laughs> That's not the word I was looking for, but we'll go with it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so Knight Dental is part of the Lexar group. Lexar. A lo- is it Lexar? Yes. Oh, I misspelled it. Lexar. Not, well, I'm so surprised. Lexer. Yeah, there you go. Mm-hmm. Lexer group. Why is it not Lexar? I don't know. Ask me. My dental is part of the Lexer group, along with four other labs around the country. One of them is in Mississippi called Blue Box. In that lab is a lady I met while at the last Ladies of the Mill, Lauren Crow. She was a speaker last year, and her story was fantastic. Now, it took a while, but we finally got her on the podcast. Sweet. Lauren isn't a technician or a lab owner. But she's on the sales side of things. Lauren started on the clinical side and now manages a team of 13 people. Not selling lab products, but selling lab services. Well said, Elvis. She corrects me multiple times. Yep, well said. Lauren talks about her past, 
how she handles different situations when labs sell to offices, selling to DSOs, which is always an interesting conversation, mm-hmm. and what passion and hard work can do to promote your lab's products. No, wait, I'm sorry, your lab's services. So join us as we chat with Lauren Crow. So let's talk about Wick Mix for a minute. There are 3D print resins for models that do a decent job, and then there is the Whip Mix Vera Models OS. Dr. Michael Scherer, a prosthodontist from Sonora, California, says, and I quote, Whip Mix Vera Model OS is one of the finest model resins that I have ever worked with. It's amazing. The popular resins offer the dental laboratory a high-quality, smooth surface finish, extreme precision, reliable accuracy, and fine detail. They can be used in the 385 and 405 nanometer printers, and they are compatible with the silicone-based separators. Veramodel OS print resins are available in ivory, golden brown, gray, and white colors for any model application. For more information, call 1-800-626-5651 or visit Whitmix.com. Voices from the Bench. The Interview. We are excited to have on the podcast somebody I met at the last Ladies of the Mill who was up on stage gave a very, very powerful presentation. We welcome to the podcast, Lauren Crow. How are you? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. I appreciate that. That was like such a warm welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I remember Ladies of the Mill last year. Yes. And I think it was the first time you were speaking, wasn't it? It was. It was my first time on stage and I was the last speaker to go, which was wonderful for me because I watched everybody else and I said, look, if they can do it, I can do it. So it was, it was a great experience. I'm the opposite. I want to be first. I want to get it over with. (laughs) The longer I sit and think about it, the, the more nervous I get. Yeah, that's normal normally how I am. But uh, yeah, that time I, I was like not knowing what to expect. So yeah, it worked out. I was wondering, Elvis, when I when I heard Lauren's name, that that's probably how you guys met. And I was going to ask that question. So yeah, and I actually apologize because I remember at Ladies of the Mill, you were waiting for me to finish talking to other people. Yeah, it was. I had a line. It was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Did and I was I drove so I was ready to get back to Mississippi. I was driving home that night and I was like, "Look, if if he's not done in like the next twenty minutes, I'm just gonna have to roll out. I'm gonna catch him on the flip side." (laughs) And I ended up running to the airport to sit at the airport for the next six hours. So oh, gee. Good times, good times. So, Lauren, you had a very, very interesting background to how you got started in the industry. I remember you talking about it. Share with everybody, how did you get into dental laboratory? So, I actually was a dental assistant in a previous life. I actually got my start when I was 17 years old. I was a young mom. You're 18 now, right? (laughs) Pretty much. I mean, if you look at my pictures, most people are like, there's no way that she's her age. So everybody can assume that, but I promise I'm more aged than I (laughs) apparently appear. Enjoy it while you can. Of course, I I see all the wrinkles and every bit of like, you know, age on me and nobody else, I guess, can see that. And that's fine. I'll take it for as long as I can, because one day I'm going to wake up and I'm going to look my age and I'll wish that I was back. (laughs) But anyway, I was 17 years old new mom. And we had a family friend. I'm from a very small town. She owned a dental practice and just, you know, came to my mom and said, Lauren, like to try you know, dental assisting. I need a dental assistant. It was brand new practice. So it was really slow getting started. So I trained on the job, had no experience previously. I hadn't even finished high school at that point. It was just like the whole American dream story of just getting started, boots on the ground, ground level, working your way up. And I did pretty much over the next like eight years, everything you could do in a dental office. I did office management. I worked every kind of practice, pediatrics, cosmetic, any part of the office, any type of specialty. I probably had done it during that time. And then in 2014, we were relocating from Louisiana back to Mississippi, uh, looking for jobs you know, back home. And I came across an ad for Blue Box, which is the dental lab that I'm currently at. And applied for the job and it was like quality control case consult. You know, there really wasn't an exact title or job description. And so I came on board in 2014 and was checking denture cases and partial cases to make sure that we didn't, you know, extract number 10 when we were supposed to extract number nine, you know, things like that. Something a dental assistant would know with the quality 
would need to be if they were chair side. Mm-hmm. And at the time that was really valuable because there were only technicians or non-dental people in the building. And so I was like the first dental assistant at the time that came on board. And so I knew from a clinical perspective what the doctor was looking for. And so then I started doing case consults. So if a doctor called and had a question about material or what type of parcel do I need or what do you recommend here? Because I had been clinical and had several years experience then, I knew it would work best for a patient just from experience. Mm. And so I started doing case consults. And the next thing you know, I'm doing a little bit of everything in the office and I have you name it, from an admin perspective or a customer service perspective or a sales perspective, I've done it and yeah. at Blue Box. And so within a year, they promoted me to manager because I was pretty much managing. We were a very, very much smaller organization then. We only had about, I don't know, seven to 10 employees. It was very, very much smaller. And over the years, we've grown. Every year, we've grown a double-digit growth year over year. And I'm just really proud and excited to be a part of an organization that believes in growth and believes in being progressive and looking to the future. So it's been a great ride so far, and I'm really excited to see what the future brings as well. So there's my story. Wow. Okay, we're done. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, there you go. I'm giving you all the details. End it here. <laughs> kidding. Elvis and I do a, a ton of these podcasts, and everybody right now, all the labs that we're talking to are actually looking for dental assistants to come aboard because they have that edge. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, uh, and I just think it's so smart because you can talk to the clients, you can look at the cases, everything's there already. I mean, the training is a lot less extensive, I should say, than, you well, know. Well, they know what a that- tooth is walking in the door. I mean, that's half <laughs> <Yeah>. the battle. <laughs> yeah, the tooth numbers, the surfaces, you know, and I think from a sales perspective, that was my biggest challenge because, Barb, you know this, but at Blue Box, we're, we're heavy into like the sales and customer service process. Oh, yeah. And so they were really big on like how you speak to people and how you can convert a customer and, you know, things like that. And I was a dental assistant, so I was used to telling people what we were going to do, which is like, <laughs> hey, you need a root canal. We're going to do it today. And this is why. And so I would just call these doctors and say, you're not going to get your case tomorrow because UPS won't deliver it, you know, and that's not acceptable. So I had to have like a lot of training. I did, I read a lot of books. I watched a lot of YouTube videos and I'm a communications major. So I learned a lot of that in college, but at the time I didn't have my degree. So I made sure that I took classes and how to communicate better and in the sales process, because I thought that was important for my career. And I did a lot of home and self-study and listened to a lot of mentors because I had to learn that. That did not come natural to me. So you never did any sales, did you say? I never did any sales before other than presenting treatment plans, you know, which is that. So when you were a dental assistant, were you licensed? First, I was not certified. I didn't even have x-ray certification. And in Mississippi, there is, it's not like you have to be ETA or anything like that, you can go get your associates in it. But I did not. I trained on the job. And then within probably six months, they sent me to get my like x-ray certification, radiology license, you know, whatever it was. I can't remember. That's been a minute ago. But I did do that, but I did not get certified. I just worked on the job and, you know, every place I went, I will pride myself and say I'm a hard worker. I have great work ethic. Whatever I do, I do it to the fullest of my extent. So everywhere I went, I did well because I just wanted to learn everything there and I would pick it up and say, okay, what can I do better? And, you know, whatever I needed to do to get better in Excel, I would work at it. I'm, I'm not very excellent at anything. I'm pretty mediocre at a lot of things, but because I, because I work hard, I think it makes up for a lot of that. You're good at a lot is what you're saying. I don't know about that. But you're but not great at yeah. a few. I work hard at a lot of things. There you so go. there you go. That's that. I take pride in that. I will say that. I can attest though that she's great. Just saying. <laughs> Let's throw out the disclosure here. Blue oh, yeah. Box and Knight, they're connected somehow under yes. the same umbrella, right? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Okay, so you guys are kind of co-workers. We work together. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, totally. Okay. And, and so I can therefore say she's excellent. Thank you, Barb. That's really kind. She's managing all kinds of people here and she does it remotely and she comes. God, you're probably here every, what, three weeks or something or, like that. Yeah. So you're at night dental every three weeks. Morning. Yeah. Yeah. So since taking this role, I, I made a commitment to be there at least once a month. You started at Blue Box. You worked your way up. What is your role now? So now I'm director of sales for the Southeastern Division of Lexier which is night and blue box. And that includes the customer service and client experience teams. So I have all of the reps that are in the Southeastern portion of the United States. So they range from 
uh, North Carolina down to Puerto Rico and then over to Dallas, Texas. So it kind of makes a triangle yeah. across the lower portion of the country. And then I have the blue box operation here, which report to me, you know, all, pretty much all facets of blue box. And then at the facility in Tampa at night, I have the customer service, the client technical service for the digital department and the client experience teams. that report. Holy schmoll. How do you keep all that? That's straight? a lot. Yeah. yeah that's, that's a lot. Um, I mean, night alone, you know, just the people and all the questions and the clients and everything like that is has always been just a huge job. And then to do that as well at Blue Box, it's a big job. It's a lot. I won't lie. Yeah. I don't know. Just like I said, I work really hard. I try to do my best at everything. It does feel overwhelming at times, but I do pretty good at like managing my emotions and trying to make sure that I handle things properly. I'm a note taker. So I think I talked about that a lot at Ladies in the Mill and some of my other podcasts I've been on. I carry like three notebooks. And so I take a lot of notes and have a lot of checklists. But it's not until we sit down with, you know, my bosses or other people in the company that are like, you do realize you're responsible for like over a third of the business, right? Yeah. And then it's like the numbers start crunching in my head. And then I start having like the smoke come out of my ears from the panic. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I don't think of it that way. I just think of it as my job and something I take a lot of pride in. So I, you know, no matter what the task is, I work really hard at it. I like to make sure people feel valued and appreciated and heard. And, you know, as long as you make people feel good, whenever you have people reporting to you and make them feel valued and what they're doing is important, then I think that you can do a lot of things. So that's really the key here is making sure people understand their role and that they, what they're doing is important because if they feel like it's not important, they're not going to work hard at it. So, you know, it's just understanding kind of their emotional state and where they're at and, learning how to manage the people in their way. What's it like managing sales? I mean, do you like have weekly calls? Do you guys obviously have goals and things like that? But is it up to you to like say, okay, this week we're going to push this product and, you know, we're going to go to these places or or do they map it all out and then just show you what they're doing? Like, how, what, what does that look like? So just in general, as a manager, I'm very much not a micromanager. I, and depending on the department, it depends on how involved I am. Yeah. So with sales specifically, though, these people I've tried to um, empower them and say like, look, think of this as your own small business. Like I'm going to give you the keys and the tools to be successful, but you're only successful as you'll work at it because that's truth. Like I can't make them go sail every day. I can't make them wake up and get in their car and go get rejected, you know, 50% of the time or 75% of the time. Yeah, that's tough. So I have to find ways to motivate them. And most salespeople enjoy the fact that they're kind of on their own. You know, they want to feel that, what they're doing is kind of on their own will. You know, they mm-hmm. don't want to be supervised. So that's how I like to do it. So I give them the opportunity to map their own unless they need my help. So I'm always like, I'm here. If you need my help, if you need guidance, I'll be glad to help you. But I ask them to do their own mapping and planning because they know their customer better than I do. And they know their they, most of them are somewhere I've never even been to. You know, like I've never spent more than a day in Charlotte, North Carolina. So I can't go tell Scott, who's my rep there, how to plant his day. I have no idea what's going on in Charlotte, North Carolina (laughs) on any day, but I trust that he does. When I'm in the hiring process, that's something that I find is really important to see what their self-discipline is, because I expect them to manage themselves to some extent. Now, I do help push promotions or products. And so when we have like a certain initiative, I will push that. So the way I position it as their manager is to say, this is what's really important. And this is how you're going to make money. You know, let's push this because in the grand scheme of things, you're going to make money if this is successful. So let's go make it as successful as possible. What does that look like for you? What are your challenges that are going to make this not work? And what are the things that are going to make it work? Because there are 13 reps that report into me. So if what works for one might not work for the other, but it might work for three others. So I like to take all their feedback on what's working, what's not, and try to collectively get it together and then give them kind of a plan of action and say, look, this is what we're seeing out in the field. This is what works. This is what doesn't. If you want me to hop on a call and go over that with you, I can. Or if you need me while you're in office, give me a call and um, just make sure that they know their resources, you know, so that they do have a question, they can get somebody really quick. Wow. That's a lot of reps. I had no idea you had 13. Holy Yeah, there's 13. It's, It's a lot. So how did you, did you spend time on the road? I actually did not. So how um, you- I, I mean, I have. I don't want to say I haven't. I have, but that has not ever been my primary responsibility. I mean, you haven't been out there and been rejected 14 times in a day? 
I actually have, okay. but I, don't, I never did it full time. So I was never just a full time on the road sales rep. There have been plenty of days where I had targets or I would travel to an area that we wanted to see if it was going to work as far as a territory. And so I would go into those markets and kind of do a test or a pilot in that market. I've not, it's not been my prim- primary job, you know, to go out in the field. So I know where you're going with this question. <laughs> yeah. How do you manage people when you've not done their job, right? Well, kind of, yeah. Yeah. So to be honest, I mean, managing people is the same, no matter what role they're in. And if you can understand what their challenges are, you can understand how to be a solution. And so for salespeople, it's really no different. You, you do have to understand the sales process and you have to understand how to take care of a customer. But if you can take care of a customer in office or sitting at a bench, or on the phone, or out in the field, you know how to take care of a customer, no matter what that looks like, right? It's all the same. It's finding solutions for them. And so being a sales rep really isn't any different. You just have to understand their challenge. And for a rep, their main challenge is getting rejected. So it's keeping them motivated, making sure they have the tools they need to be successful, giving them targets that are actually achievable, Mm. you know, something that's realistic, and then just staying in contact, making sure that they're comfortable with what they're doing and that they're happy. So if I have a rep that seems like they're not feeling very motivated or they're struggling with something, you know, I make them do their homework to some extent. You know, what is the challenge and how do we overcome it? And come to me with solutions and I'm going to make it happen for you. So managing people, whether they're remote or inside, outside doing sales, working at the bench, no matter what they're doing, if you can understand their challenge and you can find a solution for them, managers are just servants. Like you're just taking care of the people that report to you and making sure they have what they need. It doesn't really matter what the specialty is or the, yeah. what their responsibilities are. If you can understand it, then you can help them. Yeah, I agree. So obviously you're selling lab products to dentists, right? I mean, that's your primary target. Services. Lab services. services. Sorry. I get you. I get you. <laughs> to your clients. Yes. <laughs> There you go. Service provider here. What are some of the classic challenges that you run into? I mean, other than just flat out rejection, every lab realizes that happens. Well, obviously you have com- competition that comes in. That's it's, So it's deeper than just rejection, right? Sure. So maybe it's that this particular office, they want to go digital. That, that's kind of a big initiative for us right now. Yep. They're wanting to buy a scanner. And so we have several programs that help them do that. We have resources that we can dig into to send them people that can help them decide on what kind of scanner. We have ways to help them pay for it, you know, all kinds of different things. And so that's a big challenge, making sure that the office feels comfortable with what they're purchasing or what they're doing, because that's a big investment. And really lab services are a big investment. You know, it seems like a hundred dollar crown isn't that big of a deal, but whenever it's, you know, a longstanding 10-year patient and one crown goes wrong and they lose the patient, you know, that that's the same investment as a scanner. Yeah. And so you just got to take everything kind of in stride and figure out a way to, to help them. But all the challenges are the same. They're just different. And you got to figure out a way to manage them. So scanners are one going digital. You've got the different product types. So you also have to understand it as a lab where you stand. And so I know at night and blue box that we do a lot of things really well. And what they do at night really well is they have Barb's excellent CAC that I don't have here at blue box. So I have to understand that as a lab and know where I stand and not, I'm not at, if I'm going to sell blue box, I'm not selling a CAC crown, right? I know I have the resource to sell a CAC crown, but it's not going to come to blue box. It's going to go to Barb, right? Because they have an excellent product. So it's knowing where you stand as a lab too, and not trying to oversell a product that you can't deliver on. Oh, that's huge. Yeah. What's CAC? Cosmetic anterior cases is what I'm going with. Oh, Barb, promote yourself here because you have an (laughs) excellent, excellent. That's exactly what it is, Elvis. Is it? I think I heard you say it once. (laughs) It's comprehensive aesthetic center. So Ah. it's basically just where we do diagnostics, treatment planning, you know, and all of the the larger aesthetic cases, single centrals, the stuff that's just hair ripping out kind of work sometimes, but most of it's pretty good. I I really like it. And Blue Box doesn't have that division. No, it's the only division in the company sits there in Tampa. Out of all the Lexar labs. Correct. There's five. Now I know why you're always stressed out, Barb. <laughs> Barb, I'm plugging you here, okay? No, thank you. I appreciate it. It's just knowing where your specialties are and not trying to do something that's not you. You know, you've got to be yourself and sell your product and your service. And that has been a challenge for me is learning, you know, for night and CAC and Blue Box and all these different divisions. 
where the specialty lies so we don't oversell ourselves and we don't get in over our head with something. So there's so many times here at Blue Box, they'll bring me something and say, they want to do this. I don't know. I'm trying to think of something crazy. This surgical guide and this implant placement, we're going to have to do a stint and we're going to have to do X amount of sites and we're going to have to do these prep guides. And I'm like, "Uh uh-uh, guys, we're not doing that. Send it here. That's not a Blue Box product. You know, that's an excellent idea in theory, but Who's going to talk to the customer about this? You know, who's yeah. going to surgically plan this? It's not going to be me. Yeah. So you've got to find another resource. And it's just knowing either not to turn the work away, but when to do it, when to not, and when to outsource it, and when to not, and when to find a good partner to work with and when to not. And if you can understand the challenge, then you can understand the solution. Yeah. All labs do that. Get a call from yep. a doctor, say, hey, can you make this? And you're like, well, I've never done it. But yeah, of course we can. <laughs> <laughs> we'll figure it out. Yay. <laughs> There's been times we've done that, but we try not to get too inundated with the things that we're not good at. We want to do what we're good at. Sure, and, absolutely. You know, and perfect what we're good at before we take on this like crazy challenge that scares us all and then scares the customer away. <laughs> and then you have one chance, you'll lose them. Yep. It's much easier to say no and be honest than to take it on and screw it up. Exactly. Because then you really tick them off, you know, and you might lose them forever. So yeah, that's kind of what I do. Like if something rolls on my desk and I know we can't do it, I'm on the phone telling him I'm sorry, but you know, can't do it. Not very often, but for sure we do it. Same here. Yeah, but you got four other labs to reach out to within your network. We do. We're really, we're lucky. I mean, we're really lucky. And a lot of times I think the benefit that we have because we're not standalone labs is I can still tell the doctor, look, you can send it here. So it's built through the same place. You can talk to the same people, but some of the technical communication may come out of a different division. And we tell them that up front, you know, that just say it's coming out of the Northeast. This, this lab's going to call you. It's going to be this person we're going to connect you to. So we're really lucky that we have that option because I know a lot of people don't have that option. Mm-hmm. But it's very infrequent that we have to say no, but sometimes we have to say, no, we're not doing it here. Yeah. Or we're not doing it at night. We're going to have it done elsewhere. Interesting. So when you hire people for sales, I mean, you're part of that process, right? I mean, you're the one that onboards them and everything. How many of them come from the bench? None. Really? Really. (laughs) And not for any reason other than that hasn't been what's come to me so far. Mm -hmm. I think that a lot of the people from the bench feel comfortable like talking in small settings. And I say this only because I work with technicians. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so getting out in the field is not something they may not feel as comfortable with because they like coming to a place. They like working with their hands. They like communicating over the phone. They enjoy those kind of things. And so I think it's just out of like a, a technician's nature. It's not to say it doesn't happen or it's never happened. I just think that it's not as common because sure. they, they work in, in that skill for a reason. Because it's something that they enjoy. Yeah. So what do you look for when you look for salespeople? First off, I have to look for who comes to me. So that's always fun. You know, recruiting in general is fun. But dental background is really, really important. I would hope. Yeah. It's not to say that it is impossible to teach people dental. Because I have several great people on my team that came from no dental. My right hand, Leslie, who works here at Blue Box, I could not do my job without her. And she came from mental health and has a degree in English. Like she wanted to teach high school English. You say mental so, health? Yeah, mental. she came from the mental health background. Well, not that's dental. how she fits in with a lab. <laughs> Especially here at Blue Box. If you met these people, we're all a little picky. But that's yeah. what makes us us. Oh, yeah. I agree. Not saying you, saying us. All of us are. Yeah. <laughs> I think you have to be a little mental to work in dentistry. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No doubt. <laughs> I have a lot of great people that did not come from dental backgrounds that we trained, but it takes a special person to be able to do that because it is so much to learn. And every day you're learning something new. So if you don't already have the background, it's just very overwhelming to have to learn teeth numbers and tooth surfaces and product types and indications and contraindications, all, you know, everything that goes along with a dental lab product. And then you have to learn how dentists, you know, dentist behavior are different too than a lot of other professions. Mm-hmm. And so you have to understand that dynamic as well. So just teaching all of that is very difficult. It's not to say it's impossible. It's just difficult. We typically look for a dental background. Yeah. I look for sales people specifically. I look for self-starters, people that have a motivation outside of, I just like to have a job. You know, they have to like to get up and do what they enjoy. Usually it helps too if I see that they have like a lot of extracurricular or hobby activities that they like to do. You know, they like to play sports on, on the side or, you know, work out or they like to paint or something like that because that shows that they do things on their own without being told to do it. Yeah. And so those are a lot of the questions that I ask in the interview process. What do you like to do? 
what do you do for fun? What do you do on the side? Do you do fun things on the weekends? Because those things challenge people to get out and do something other than, you know, watch Netflix. And there's nothing wrong with watching Netflix. <laughs> I need a salesperson to not sit at home and watch Netflix. You know, they're, they have to be not micromanaged. I don't know if they're at home or if they're in the field, but I need to make sure that they're not, you know, at home, you know, binge watching something for four days straight. So those, you know, I look for things that show that they're self-starters, that they're motivated on their own, and that they enjoy a challenge. Yeah. So how do you teach someone dental that has never, I mean, where do you even start? Oh, God. Teeth numbers. Yeah. Teeth numbers. That's where we start. Everything is on teeth numbers. So first thing is teeth numbers. Then you start teaching them product based on that, the teeth numbers. So we can say, you know, if it's from this range to this range, you're, they're not going to want to, you know, an Emax. They're not, you don't want to put an Emax number one. Yeah. Typically. But you also don't want to put a PFM or a full gold crown on number eight. It's just not the best option. It will work, but it is not always what you want to do. So we kind of started that way. Then we go, it depends on the person, to be honest, because you kind of learn their skill level and how they learn. You know, just being a manager in general, you've got to know how to read people and understand their learning style and their communication style. And once you get that, you can teach them anything you can motivate them to do anything. You communicate with them in, in the way that makes sense to them. You just have to know how to talk to people and treat people and read people. And if you can understand that, you can teach anybody anything. Do you continue to update your skills? Because it sounds like you're right on it. Or do they enable you to go to courses other than Ladies of the Mill? But like, how do you stay juiced? Obviously, it's self-inflicted. But like, do you, are you traveling at all? Do you go to any courses? Are you going to go to Chicago? Okay, so I, I was supposed to go to Chicago, but I'm not going to Chicago now because of a lot of the restrictions. Yeah, but me too, but I got to go. It's not to say I'm not able to go train, but y'all just y'all just heard what all I do, so my schedule yeah. is very hectic. So for me to take two days out to go do something other than work-related things right now, is it's just not, it, yeah. it doesn't happen. So I did go to a training two weeks ago in Raleigh, North Carolina at the new Align training facility. So I trained on digital, you know, on the iTero scanners. Nice. I got to do that, but the whole sales team got to do that. Yeah. So usually if I expect my sales team to train on it, I do. So I attend a lot of webinars. I do a lot of self-study. I stay pretty active on LinkedIn, following other people's, you know, updates and trying to just stay in the know. I do not stay as up to date as I'd like because just time constraint doesn't allow me to learn as much as I do. But I always love to be reading and learning. So I'm always reading or learning something. Yeah. And it could, it, sometimes it's not even dental related. It might be on leadership or it might be on communication or it might be on the sales process. But I do try to stay very up to date on the different processes and the different techniques and always trying to be forward thinking. Yeah. Wow. Sounds that way. You sound like you got a lot of free time. Oh, so much. So much. And I have two kids, so. Oh, God. And yeah, every time so... I blink, you're in CrossFit, so. Hey, that's from 4 a.m. to 5, 5.30. So, you know, you got to be up early to see that. Hold <laughs> up. You're up at 4 a.m. to do CrossFit? Seriously? Yeah, 4 a.m. My alarms are set for 4 and 4.07 every day. Oh, my God. Dude, she can do a push-up handstand. It's pretty intense. <laughs> How do you know that? Instagram. Okay. Come gotcha. on, Barb. I don't have a life. The Elvis is up at 4 a.m. looking at Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> I set my alarm for 4 a.m. for <laughs> social media. That's my workout. Clearly, I don't have a life either because I'm on Instagram posting my handstand push-up at 4 a.m. So there's that. <laughs> Crazy. Well, I'm not. I got to be honest, but that's definitely inspiring. I'm, I'm going to go on Instagram and look you up right now. So. <laughs> Hey, disclaimer, if you go right now, I'm only talking about Kanye West. So there's that. <laughs> oh, sweet. Right, well, got it. Did you guys watch the Super Bowl halftime last night? Yes. No. That was cool. The older people hated it, but the younger ones are barging. Well, I know you're a lot younger than me, but it was great. I loved it. Yep. Me too. Sorry, Elvis. I just got to ask a football question. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> What's Blue Boxes and Lexar's initiative now? What are you guys pushing? Oh, there's several things. So big push this year, we like to enhance our implant department. It's just something that's kind of been put, I think, on the back burner for a lot of organizations. Just going through really? you know, capacity and labor issues, it's just, yeah. it just waited on it. And so yeah. that's a big one. Getting our staff and our salespeople trained and comfortable selling implants and then doing a big push on that because it's the way of the future. You know, implants are have been for years and it's just a growing industry and it's going to continue to grow. And then we're obviously going digital. So finding ways to be a solution um, provider to our 
clients and prospects for digital services, whether that be design services or producing a modelist crown or printed dentures. There's so many different things on the digital side. It's now that side is very overwhelming and I have to stay you know, up to date there because every day I log on and there's something new on the digital yeah. space, something new everybody's doing. It was, I think, a, you know, several years ago, it was like 30% of offices had scanners and now it's even more than that. So we have to stay on the, the cutting edge because we're going to get left behind if we don't. Yeah. So luckily we're at a company that sees that and recognizes that and they give us the opportunities and the solutions for our customers to be able to continue to go forward with digital dentistry in general. So we've got a, a lot of push on that. And then Night Guards has been a push for a couple of years now. Night Guards, huh? huh. Yeah. Everybody needs a Night Guard, man. I, it doesn't matter what kind of teeth you got. I know I do. <laughs> With all the stress? Yeah. So we just got a new CEO. His name's Christian LeBron. I don't know if you know that, Elvis. But yeah, he's been like a whirlwind of information and just coming in and talking about, you know, knocking down walls and putting the implant department on the far end and just growing, 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 and all of these just amazing things that I think he's just a really forward thinker. And, and we've yeah. all been just super psyched to have him. I mean, he talked to me about the night guards as well, going out with every case that we do yep. cosmetically, you know, sending a night guard as like a, here you go, not charging them, but just so they wear it. Take care of the restorations. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah so we're, we're psyched. We are. We've had Christian on board for a few weeks now. He came and spent a couple of days here in Mississippi and talking about good management and good leadership. He came and sat down with every single person that works in this building. Yeah. He hasn't got to supervisors yet because we ran out of time. If that tells you how much, how thorough he was with everybody. Yeah. And so he's done an incredible job of making people feel heard and empowered and that their jobs are safe. You know, cause anytime you have change in leadership, it's scary for people. Yeah. And he's just yep. done an incredible job of making sure people feel comfortable with the transition. He brought in the HR lady, which was amazing. So I've been blown away at his leadership so far, and I think we're going in a great direction. Agree. So awesome. I love it. You should come visit us, Elvis. You should. I would like to. <laughs> See if you can get Preet in here. Let's give them a plug. I know how you love that. Well, I mean, you're talking about getting an uh, implant initiative. I mean, what better way oh, than God. Preet? <laughs> a lot of There you go. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Are you looking to expand your sales force or is it pretty good where it's at or? So we will hire, I say, okay, so earlier I kind of lied. I said I have 13 reps. I am in the process of hiring my 13th rep. They should be hired in the next week or so. So that is the final hire for the fiscal year for Lexier. I think will be the rep in Raleigh, North Carolina. So going into the new year, we will probably hire one to three new reps. But where those reps will be located is to be determined because we're going into the fiscal year. So your guess is as good as mine. So if you have a good idea of where they should be, <laughs> I'm all ears. But yeah, we're, we're always growing our sales team. We're always looking to grow the company. And, you know, we want to be solution finder for people. We don't want to just sell a crown. You know, if you can, anybody can sell a crown. Yep. We want to make sure that they understand how to move forward in dentistry, how to take care of their patients, you know, and be a real resource to our customers. Well, this is good information for some of our listeners, you know, that don't have the sales force. Yeah. And when they go out to a lab, it's so easy to, just to take a sample crown. Right. How do you discuss with your sales team to discuss with the dentist what makes it worthwhile to send to the Lexar group. The main thing is the service aspect. Like I said earlier, you said you sell lab, lab products. I'm like, no, we sell a service. Yeah, yeah. Because it's not just a crown. Let's just take, for instance, what Barb's doing. Like Barb's not just milling a crown. Barb's team does very specific stain and glaze. They use a different kind of material. Everything that goes into that particular product is service-based. Mm -hmm. It's how does this affect the patient in the long run and in the best way possible aesthetically. So everything in that process at CAC has the end patient in mind. And not to say other people don't do that, but it's, it's more than just a crown. Every detail that goes into that is about providing that particular service to not only the client, but to their patient. And the same thing is the, is the way across the entire organization. So at Blue Box, when they send a product, I mean, they ask us to make a crown. We're looking at the script going, okay, is this the best product for the, the patient? Is this the best material? Is this the best shade? Could we do this differently? And then we, if we need to, we make a call out to the doctor and say, hey, you asked for a solid zirconia on number eight. 
this isn't going to have any translucency. Would you like us to change the material for something, you know, more aesthetic? And then we try to figure out what would be the best product by talking through it with the doctor. So more than just selling a crown, we like to be a true service partner in the process. So that's why we're different, I think. I think we're different because we think of the inpatient and we try to be the solution before the problem even occurs. Yeah. Is it your salesperson that reaches out to have that discussion about material or do you? Sometimes. Yeah. It depends. So pretty much anybody on my team is trained to be able to do that. So the salesperson, they're in office, they're going to be doing that. You know, if the doctor asks for a recommendation or they tell them about a specific instance, they'll do it. But if the case comes in and we triage it and we figure out what's going on, then it's somebody internally that calls. And like I said, pretty much anybody on the team can call here. They're all well-versed. Some are better than others on the phone just because that's their skill set. Sure. But anybody can talk the talk here. I mean, you don't have anybody there you wouldn't put on the phone. <laughs> no, I have a couple of people that aren't originally from the United States. And so they might not feel as comfortable. I think they would do fine on the phone, but they probably won't feel yeah. comfortable. We always had a few that we wouldn't put on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> well, at Blue Box, when we hire, that's kind of like a prerequisite. Like, are you, can you talk on the phone? And that's because that's what we majority of the time we do. We're a customer service organization. So pretty much anybody can talk on the phone for the most part. I might have one or two that just aren't comfortable. Why is it called Blue Box? <laughs> this is a good story. It's yeah. not my story to tell, but I'm going to tell sure. it. Sure. So Andy Woods is probably going to listen to this. He is my former boss and my still continues to be mentor. He's an amazing person. So he started Blue Box back, I think I'm going to butcher this, in 2007. I believe that's right. And for that, had been shopping with his wife. And I don't know if y'all are familiar with yellow box shoes. They make like flip flops. No. <laughs> I live in the South. So we love our flip-flops. And here there's this shoe called Yellow Box. They're super popular. Okay. And they are legitimately in a yellow box. And they're just called Yellow Box shoes. And he said, I like the color blue. And if I ever start a business, I'm going to call it Blue Box. Because our product will go in a blue box. And everybody will recognize it. Huh. And to this day, our boxes are blue. And they come with candy inside. Because we want it to appeal to the customer. And obviously, we want to get crowns. So we put candy in the boxes and people recognize our boxes. For a long time, they had faces of people that worked here on them. So when a rep brought in a box, it might be their face on the box. They could say, look, this is a customer service person. This is Daylin. She's on the box. So we tried to make it very personalized and customized and people do recognize the name now. But yeah, it's because of yellow box shoes. And they love the candy, Elvis, because I remember when I first met Andy and, and Lauren and they told us about that, we started doing that here. And oh my God, when we stopped, there was people crying. They <laughs> love the candy. Open it it's up. It's so funny. It is. Yeah. Yeah. On the scripts, they'll write like, we like Skittles. <laughs> 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 or where's the chocolate? And because I'm in the South, we don't do chocolate from like March to October. Oh, yeah. It doesn't melt. melt. Yeah. yeah. It's disgusting. So we don't do it. But all summer long, we get requests like, we like Milky Ways. Bring back the, you know, kisses or whatever. <laughs> and I'm like, guys, it's going to melt all over your denture. You don't want that. So we get specific requests on scripts for like the type of candy that they want. That's box. hilarious. That's such an easy, <laughs> inexpensive little touch. Something that makes them smile. Yep. Yeah. And everything everything at Lexier is about the experience. You know, the candy is just part of that. Yeah. You said when you started there, there was seven. How many are in that location now? So actually, when I started, I was one of like four, I think. Wow. Uh, and then when I became manager, I was like, there was like seven to 10. It wasn't many. Now there are, I want to say 27 yeah, I was wow. in the building. When I joined the company, we were at 1.5 million. And this year we're on trend to do, I believe, 10 or 10 and a half. Damn. With 27 people? That is so fast. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's like rise to fame so quickly. It's very, yeah. very, very great. So I got a question about, yeah. for our listeners, the DSO-driven markets. Like, are there any tricks or anything that you can you can say, you know, if, if people are out selling to DSOs? Like, what are they like, Dennis, that, you know, like Aspen and Heartland and those guys? Are they any different than the no groups? Or do you have to take care of them any different? I know your customer service, but is it all the same, even though the, the crowns are cheaper? 
No, it is not the same. Now, obviously a customer is a customer and you treat them the same no matter what. But what we've seen from dentists that are in DSO groups and depending on which group they're in, of course, they're less concerned with price. So, you know, when you walk into a retail office, they're looking at your price list. They're concerned with what they're going to pay. They want to know about shipping costs and you know, they're really concerned with their overhead. They got to make sure they make a dollar and yep. which that's what we're all here for. You know, this is a business, even if even when we're good at it, it's still a business. And so retail clients are really looking at that and just trying to be conservative of cost. Well, at DSO groups, it's not quite the same because most of those are not paying for their own work. They're paid on production and then their corporate office pays their lab bill. Hmm. Or maybe they pay a portion of it. So they're less concerned with the cost. They're more concerned with the quality of the product Mm -hmm. and chair time. So if it takes up any of their chair time, they're very, very cautious of that because their chair time eats in their production time, which eats them their money. So, you know, it's all about what's easiest, what's quickest, what's going to produce the the greatest turnaround, you know, for the patient, the quickest outcome. So they're a little bit more pushy on turnaround times, it seems like. Mm -hmm. And obviously they just want a product that's just going to go in the mouth. Yeah. So there's less of that having to do like the triage where we call and we say, you know, would you like an Emacs instead of a solid zirconia on number eight? Because that takes away from their chair time. That means they have to stop what they're doing and come to the phone. And oh. not to say that they don't want to do it, but they're much more concerned with being chair side than they are really uh, wanting to have that long conversation about, you know, the product. And- so basically you just do what they ask for. Pretty much. Yeah. And as quick as possible. Yeah. And make sure it fits perfectly. <laughs> exactly. Unless we know that they're one that really wants to be pampered a little bit more, I guess you could say. Like if they want that extra attention, we'll do it. But from a DSO perspective, we have far less of those. Knight does a lot of those DSOs. It's the whole group does them. Yeah, the whole group does. Now, some of the organizations don't do it as heavy because Knight, Blue Box, and then York in the Northeast, we all are more focused on full service products. Mm -hmm. And at the other two locations, they're more specialized in implants. Now they'll do other things. They're full service as well, but that's not like their bread and butter. They're more specialized. So at these three organizations, we have, we're heavier in DSO. At night, night is by far the heaviest in DSO work. Yeah. And so they're doing a ton of, you know, zirconia production and that's, that's their main thing out of the night location. But yeah, we deal with a lot of DSO groups and they're all very, very different in their expectations and what they'd like to see. So they're all handled a little differently and they're definitely handled different than retail because their expectations are different from each location. That's odd because as someone that doesn't work with them, I would have thought Aspen and Heartland were basically the same thing and you treat them pretty much the same way, but I guess not. So for instance, this is just how different they are. At Aspen, we cannot send a sales rep in. Cannot. They, you cannot solicit to an Aspen. It is, you do not do it. You just don't. They don't even want to be called. Okay. They like to handle yeah. things via email and then our port or my lap connect port. Yeah, yeah. Portland, on the other hand, loves the fact we have sales reps. They want them in the offices. They want them helping train on their scanners. They want them involved in the day-to-day processes. So they very much so want reps involved in their day-to-day Interesting, you know, yeah. doings. And I mean, those are two of the biggest. So that tells you how drastically different they can be. That is very interesting. Aspen's got a lot of their in-house removable. Do you still get removable work from them? Yes. Yeah, I figured. So another aspect too is you've got, like that's where I was kind of going with this, is some of these DSOs are heavy and removable or some only want to send one product group to you or some have scanners and some are still taking traditional impressions. You know, there's all kinds of different things that make them different. And you just got to know what their expectations are and how to meet them no different than you would do a retail client. You just got to know those expectations and they come at a corporate level. So yeah. You kind of have to take that into consideration too, because you have these corporate initiatives that maybe Heartland or Aspen wants you to take care of, but then an individual doctor wants you to do something a little different. Yeah. So those situations can be really sensitive because you have to, you want to take care of the client, the, the doctor client, because they're really important. They're the ones that have to take care of the patient. And two, they may go into their own retail practice one day. So you want to make sure that they're satisfied. Mm. But you also have to keep those corporate initiatives in mind and say, look, doc, this we can't do this because of this, but we'd love to help you in this way. So we kind of have to be quick on our feet and understand the whole dynamic to be able to help them appropriately. Yeah. So if you had like an Aspen doctor getting Aspen prices and they left and opened up their own practice and they said, hey, it was great working with you guys. Can I still work with you? How do you handle that? They don't get Aspen prices anymore. Oh, most of them understand. Do I they? Mean, they ask, yeah, yeah. I mean... I have the few that want the same pricing, but they usually don't come from Aspen or Heartland because they understand like that's, 
those are thousands of practices. Yeah. Right? So it's not, you know, they know that I can't give them the same price on a crown because the volume isn't there. Yeah. But we usually try to work with them on something that makes sense, especially when they're first starting out and saying, look, we can do this in introductory for this or look, maybe I can't give you a lower price on a crown, but why don't we help you buy a scanner, which is going to actually get you a quicker turnaround on revenue. So we find other solutions that make sense for that individual office. But like I said, it's no different than anything else. That's what we are, a solutions provider. Yeah. We treat everybody the same when it comes to that. If they need something, we find a way to make it happen. That's yep. awesome. And Elvis, you'd be amazed at some of these contract prices. They're low. It's insane. But they are based on volume. I mean, you do do a heck of a lot of units, but you know, you'd have to scratch your head at what they negotiate at. Yeah, it's insane. And it's yeah. way over my head on how they come <laughs> up with it, if it makes sense or not. I'm just like, look, you just tell me where to go and where to yep. sell and I'll make sure we got the volume. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's it. So what about cross-selling? You know, a lot of doctors will use a lab for just one thing, like you mentioned. Right. Do you focus on cross-selling? Is that something you try to get your team to do? Yes. So we like to cross-sell when it makes sense. So the only time it doesn't is if I know a customer is like very particular in a certain product area, because the last thing you want to do is cross-sell and then something go wrong with the product and then lose the customer entirely. Hmm. So where I see the biggest reward is, you know, I know that our crown and bridge is really steady. So if I've got a customer only doing flex partials, I'm like, look, where are you sending your crowns to and why aren't they coming here? Because We've got a great product. It would consolidate your billing. You would get the same amount of turnaround time, whatever it is. But I have to understand why they're doing what they're doing before I ask them to change. And that's my whole outlook on sales in general. I always tell my customers or anybody, really, I don't want to ask you to change something you're not already happy with. So I want to be a solution. If you've got a problem with something, that's when I want to come in and help you. So we just ask those discovery questions. Are you happy with your current lab? Why did you choose them? What did they do well? What do they not do well? And then if we can fit into those perimeters of what they'd like to have, then, you know, we'll say, you know, well, we've got this product that would fit your needs and or we can do this to help you. And we have a lot of other options that can get them there. Right? Like we have, like I said, a way to pay for their scanner. Well, they have to do a certain amount of volume and they're not there yet. Or they're only sending one product group. We can say, well, look, what are you not happy with that we can pick up to help you meet that volume? And so a lot of times it's just looking at their situation and figuring out a way that we fit into that picture. Yeah. Wow. Very smart. Great answer. <laughs> Thank you. You got an answer for everything, Lauren. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you try to stop me. I can try. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'd make a good car salesman too. I always know what to say apparently. And I don't even realize it. It's a gift. <laughs> hey, I, I full of shit is what it really is. <laughs> You'll have to edit that out, Ellis. No. Oh no, we love that. Yeah. <laughs> got to have at least one small cuss word. (laughs) So what's next for you guys? I should say us guys. So now that everything's evolving and changing, is there going to be like another meeting here at night? And what are you guys thinking? And what? Yeah. um... So I know that my team, my sales team, we were supposed to meet back in um, first week of February, last week of January. I can't remember now, but we had a COVID outbreak. So we didn't get to do that. We did get to meet in Raleigh, which was a lot of fun. So we've got a sales meeting that we're going to plan. I had originally hoped it'd be in March. It's looking like it's going to be like early summer now. Just we want to make sure that COVID restrictions are lifted and that we can actually spend time together and not be worried that we're always going to spread it. So that's a big one coming up for me because we've never had the entire sales team together. So excited for that. Getting all 13 together and putting on like a weekend. I mean, what does that look like? So a lot of my team members are moms or single moms too. And so I try not to take their weekends when I don't have to. Sure. So a lot of times I'll try to do like early week, end of week, two to three days, something that doesn't take them away from being a parent. So yeah, well, we just do two or three days and at a location. So we were going to do Tampa was the original plan. Um, but now I think I may bring them to Mississippi and just rent out like a hotel space to do it because it's really hard for me to travel to. Yeah. And I have a lot of my team members here that can help me put it together. And at Tampa, I mean, they run a really lean process there as well. So to take people out of the lab or bring people in the lab kind of disturbs that sometimes. Yeah. So I want to make sure that we do it smart. And, you know, make sure that everybody can still continue to do their jobs and I don't create a disruption anywhere (laughs) at Blue Box or in Tampa. Yeah. What do you do? Do you talk about sales techniques? Do you talk about products? Do you do team building? What do you... A little bit of everything. Okay. For starters, like to have, since this is a first, a couple of the reps that are tenured actually get up and talk about certain processes or procedures we do. Mm -hmm. And it may be on a product that they feel really, really competent in selling. 
and then have them talk about it and what some of their sales techniques are and, you know, what they would say in a lunch and learn, you know, like a 15 to 20 minute, nothing major, just something that makes them show their author skill and something that they've developed over the years. And then I'd bring in people from each location, our internal teams that talk about like, you know, for instance, like maybe a technical skill, maybe on a certain product or on how they talk when they're on the phone with a customer and and some of the questions that come up because the reps encounter those questions in the field too. But a lot of times they just like divert the calls to, you know, a CTS person or an internal person. Oh yeah. Totally happens. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's better for them just to have it in their back pocket. And even if it's only one question out of 50, it just makes them that much more valuable. Yep. So just giving them new tools and skills. And then um, a lot of times we have new products coming out within the company. So having somebody come talk about those or, you know, certain implant companies, or we've got the MyLab Connect portal. So having somebody can talk on it and train on it. So we have all kinds of different, really unique and different things that set us apart that I'd like for us to be able to cover. And then of course we would have team building and just general sales techniques and then goal planning for going forward after we leave the meeting. So what do we take what we just learned and put it into play when we leave? Sounds like a busy three days. Yeah. It is. It is. It sounds like a lot of fun during it and a migraine after for me. Because <laughs> I would be like so intensively going for three days, then I just like crash after that. That's what Rachel always says, Elvis. She's just like, oh my God, I just have to have that one night to crash. <laughs> yeah. So do you guys give out like awards, like a salesperson of the year? I've always seen salespeople promote that on their LinkedIn and stuff. So we haven't. This is our first. Okay. Yeah. So I'm really excited to see what comes in the future because Christian really wants to do a lot of those things. We pretty much have a whole new leadership team. We have a new CSO. We have a new HR director, a new IT director. But it's looking like we're going in that direction. I don't know what that looks like, but it's something I'd like to have. And, And maybe not call it like salesperson of the year. But maybe base it on like client retention or new clients, something that sets it apart than just like, hey, I'm really good at selling this. Yeah. I want it to be based on a, a certain like criteria because there's a difference in just having a lot of sales and having a higher retention rate, which means you're really good at taking care of your existing clients. So I'd like for it to see a little bit different than just having the highest. Sure. Yeah. I think that there's much more important things than just like getting the most in sales that you can in a year. It's actually how you take care of the client. No. Yeah, Totally. It's not all about dollar amount, even though that's what people think sales is all about. Yeah, no, it's about being a solution. So for instance, last week I, I had one of the salespeople call me. We give a like a small bonus if they train an office on a scanner, because obviously that's not part of the sales process. It takes them out of the field. It's labor intensive. They had to go through more training to do that. So we try to incentivize them to do it because we know that if the customer feels comfortable scanning, that we can get more cases off of it and that they're better quality, mm-hmm. right? If the scan's good, then the case goes better. Oh, yeah. And so he was like, I-, I left and I just don't feel good about how it went because I think they still have a lot of questions. I had to unpack the scanner and plug it in. And so he's like, I'm just going to have to go back for a second training. And I know I'm not going to get paid for that. It's going to take me out of the field. And he was just trying to walk through it in his head. And I say this a lot about all employees is it's really easy to get in the trenches and not be able to see the bigger picture. And so a lot of times that's my day-to-day job is just like, hey, let's talk about this from a higher level than just the situation you're in. Yeah. And so in this particular instance, I said, look, this is what we're going to do. You're going to call. We have a resource within the company that does um, scanner training. Her name's Tori. She's amazing. And I said, you're going to call Tori and ask her to do this virtually in two weeks after they've played with the scanner, they've done what they can. They've gotten some feedback from the lab. They've gotten a couple products back. Tori's going to do a more in-depth training. And I said, and then two weeks after that, I want you to tell them you're bringing them breakfast and you're going to spend an hour in their office in the morning. I said, you have to cap it so that they know that your time is important. So that they ask you all those questions an hour and you're going to go back in and you're going to make sure they don't have any more questions after they've met with you once and then Tori once. And I said, we're not going to spend a ton of time on this. We're going to do the best we can. And so for me, though, that was really important to see him saying, like, I want this customer to feel good about what they're doing. I'm willing to go back a second time, even though I'm not paying, getting paid for it. Mm -hmm. I want them to feel comfortable and have a good product in the end. So he was thinking on the right track, but was kind of getting lost in the trenches. And I'm like, no, 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 we have lots of resources. Use those resources and take care of the customer, but then go back and make sure that they feel comfortable. So sometimes it's just as simple as that, you know, just making sure that they have what they need and the resources they need and that they understand the process well enough that they feel comfortable enough to do what they need to do for the customer. So it's all about that service that we provide in the end, being the solution, making sure the customer feels comfortable, 
and then, you know, taking that forward, growing their business. So you guys don't even sell the scanners. We don't. You just help them use it and hoping that they send it to you. Correct. Because I imagine you could go in there and train them and then they could be like, nah, I'm going to send it to Joe. They definitely could. But because they see the value in working with us and see that somebody's going to be in their office when they have a problem, they typically will choose to work with us. That's awesome. Yeah, you get a friend for life when you give them all that support. Like they're not going to forget about you. They're going to keep going out to you and you're going to just keep helping them and grow them. And that's loyalty. Yeah. You get loyalty. How big of an area does each salespeople cover? A state? So this is, this recently changed. They can cover up to a certain amount of dentists per area. None of my reps travel more than like three to four hours. Really? Outside of your home. Oh, wow. And there's plenty of dentists. (laughs) Yeah. Like I have one in South Florida. I mean, she's in the Miami area, so She's not going to go more than like an hour from her house. But obviously, like you're in Mississippi, you're going to have to go a good three hours to hit several. So, you know, it varies by territory, but most of them have, they don't travel more than three to four hours. So you go based on number of dentists in the area. Correct. Interesting. And that, like I said, higher level than me. Somebody just tells me where the territory is and I find the rep and train them and make sure they go get the dentist. There you go. (laughs) I think you're doing some amazing things. I had no idea so much went into sales for a lab. Thank you. I appreciate it. And I did it too for a while and I had no (laughs) idea that this much went into it. It's a lot. Like I said, it can be really overwhelming, but I have a great support group. I have great leaders. I have great teams under me. And as long as I think of it from like a service perspective, how can I take care of these people so that they can take care of the customer? You just kind of have to keep that perspective because sometimes it's easy to get inundated with the work and panic or think, you know, it shouldn't be like this or I should have more support or so-and-so should do this for me. But that's not really it. It's what can you do for these people around you to make their jobs work better because that's how you take care of your customer. It's all about solutions is what I learned. That's right. There you go. (laughs) Hey, that can be the title of this one. Ladies in the Mills Grow. And this one can be solutions. There you go. It's going to be in the title somewhere, I'm sure. (laughs) Well, Lauren, thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you for having me. I had no idea. You handled all of this. (laughs) It's busy. It sounds like it. And you have to put up with Barb every three weeks. That's tough. Hey, I'm lucky to get to put up with Barb. (laughs) We were doing a tour a couple of weeks ago and I saw Barb walk through. She was trying to get out the door and I think she was trying to she was like sneaking past me. I'm like, there's Barb. Get her. She's a celebrity. That, uh, that made me feel really good, though, by the way. Thank you. Where were you going? Were you coming to record with me? I was going home. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was, it was five something and I'm like out of here and they were they were giving a tour. But it was really cool. A lot of great people. Eat. Awesome. Thank you so much, Lauren. Thank you. Sounds good. Anytime. Y'all let me know if you, I can help you with anything else. Perfect. We'll talk to you later. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Did you know that most InLab MCX5 users that have ordered burrs from Grow3x once keep on ordering Grow3x burrs over and over again? No way. You know what? I didn't know that. Why do you think that is, Elvis? I think it's because Grow3x burrs are engineered by some of the same folks who have been providing burrs to some of the largest U.S. production labs for years. Did you also know that most roll-ins and DG Shape users have no idea what they are missing out on? Well, I think I can guess what they're missing out on. You are right. Most Roland and DG Shape users have absolutely no idea how good and great Grow3x burrs are because they think that the Grow3x burrs are only for the in-lab systems. Well, they are wrong. (laughs) To give Roland and DG Shape users the opportunity to find out for themselves how great the burrs are for their machines... Grow3x is now offering a buy three, get two burrs free special. This is exclusively for Voices from the Bench listeners, you guys, so please go support them. So all you simply have to do is go to the Grow3x website. That's grow3x.com. Click on burrs, then select Roland and DG Shape. Add five burrs of your choice to your cart. Click on checkout. Enter the discount code B3G2. That is B as in boy, the number three, G as in girl, the number two, burrs, and check out. That's awesome. You know what? We actually have a code, Elvis. Boom. That was easy, guys. Go for it. Free burrs. Use them and use them well. And we appreciate your support of the podcast, Grow3x. Thank you. Is your lab in a position to take on new customers? Do you have the capacity to service more doctors? 
America Smiles has helped hundreds of labs across the country to acquire new dental accounts. They're the biggest name in dental laboratory marketing. Don't waste time mailing and calling hundreds of doctors just to see poor results and hear overwhelming rejection. Let America Smiles do all the heavy lifting for you. For just $195 a month, the America Smiles One Voice program will help you skip to the front of the line. They'll prospect your local or target area, produce your creative marketing, and do all the cold calling to leave you with extremely qualified appointments guaranteed to help you find your ideal clients and grow your business. Visit americasmiles.net one voice. That's americasmiles.net backslash one dash voice to learn more about how you can increase your lab's bottom line. Use the promo code VOICESFROMTHEBENCH, all one word, during checkout to qualify for a month-to-month agreement, enabling you the freedom to cancel the marketing service anytime. If you'd like to speak to an agent who can answer your questions about a time-tested, completely done-for-you approach to marketing, please give them a call at 708-279-9031. Join America Smiles One Voice today. Getting new dentists to try your lab has never been easier. And we appreciate your support of the podcast, America Smiles. Thank you, Lauren, for coming on our podcast to talk about something that isn't covered very often, but is super important to the growth of any lab. You don't need a team of 13 to be successful at showing your doctors that you are more than just a crown or a denture maker. Providing a way for both you and your accounts to be successful is what Lauren has taught herself to do and is obviously and I know from my personal experience, excelling at it. So way to go, lady. Yeah, she's got a lot going on. I know. <laughs> amazing. It is amazing. All right, everybody. That's all we got for you. And we will talk to you next week. Have a good week. Bye. See ya. And there's all the dogs, see? Yep, they know. It's weird.